welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guests today are Emmy Election and Heidi Van Dyke. Emmy is a senior at WSU Pullman studying biological engineering and serves as the public relations chair for the WSU Biomedical Engineering Society chapter. Emmy has spent the summer investigating the potential of pennycress, or stinkweed, as a winter annual cover crop by researching the oil synthesis pathways of the plant. Emmy's project has focused on biochemical analysis of lipid content and pennycress leaves to ultimately engineer more efficient synthesis pathways to improve oil content in pennycress seeds. Heidi is a junior studying biology at Western Washington University in Bellingham, Washington, where she serves as a leader for their Chi Alpha Campus Ministry chapter. I hope I got that uh, Greek lettering correct. Mm -hmm. Heidi has also been working on this pennycress project, although her research focused more on root development of pennycress. Her project involved exposing developing pennycress seedlings to stressors like growth hormones and cold stress for incorporation of pennycress into inland Pacific Northwest cropping systems. Outside of their research, Heidi and Emmy have been working with two other REEU participants, Nielly Leon and Skylar Allison, to research soil acidity. So the USDA-funded Research and Extension Experience for Undergraduates, REEU, program aims to expose students from WSU and other universities to different career paths in agriculture and provide them with skills for advancing their career path. Hello, Emmy. Hi. Hello, Heidi. Hello. So working, doing research in pendicrass, but also uh, kind of investigating uh, soil acidity and liming. So, uh, Emmy, can you tell me what lime is? Yeah, lime is a really versatile compound, which is calcium oxide. Um, it's derived from natural deposits of limestone or calcium carbonate, which is rocks formed uh, millions of years ago as the result of shell, coral, algal, and other ocean debris accumulation. It's used as an agricultural amendment, but also in many other industrial processes like plastics, paints, paper, and more. And so heat treating calcium carbonate or limestone is what reduces it to calcium oxide to lime. And there are two types of lime. There's calcitic lime, which only contains calcium carbonate or calcium oxide or calcium hydroxide. And this is, is a liming material, and all liming material is assigned a CCE score or a calcium carbonate equivalent, which signifies the neutralizing value that pure calcium carbonate would expect to alleviate soil pH per pound or per acre. Um, and there's also dolomitic limes, which contains magnesium carbonate, which is good for soils, which is low in magnesium, which is the essential soil nutrient. And these can be slightly more efficient in neutralizing soil pH and may have CCE values greater than 100. So they can um, neutralize pH in greater, in, with lesser amounts of the same calcium oxide, but it would do the same effect. Okay. So not all lime is the same is what you're telling me. There's different kinds. Yes. Different yeah. 
liming capabilities, I suppose, is what you'd say. Mm -hmm. Heidi, how does applying lime to soil reduce soil acidity or increase pH? So to fully understand what, um, what soil acidity is, we need to know what pH is. So pH is a measure of concentration of potential hydrogen ions. Um, the lower pH measures mean higher acidity and um, a greater concentration of exchangeable hydrogen ions. Um, and on the flip side, a higher pH reading indicates a more basic and a lower concentration of um, exchangeable hydrogen. So the way that this applies to soil is that um, when we apply fertilizers, they're very acidic. Um, and not only this, uh, soil acidification also occurs through uh, natural processes. Um, so when we apply lime, it's a strong base. Um, and in soils where pH readings are very low and highly acidic, um, when you add more base, it will raise that pH back up and neutralize the soil, which is important because um, plants aren't able to grow in very acidic con conditions. Um, so we need to make sure that that pH is in a mid-range uh, place. Okay. So it basically removes hydrogen ions from the soil. So the things that are making it acidic um, are these hydrogen ions. And by putting lime on, you remove those or take them out of the soil? Is that what's happening there? Well, essentially, there's a another component to that. Um, there's a chemical reaction that happens. So um, liming materials are oxides, um, hydroxides, carbonates, and these are all um, bases. Um, so um, the exchangeable hydrogen ions in the soil, they will react to a common uh, liming material, such as uh, calcium carbonate, and um, the reaction essentially causes um, uh, the hydrogen to um, react with that and uh, produce exchangeable calcium ions, water, and carbon dioxide. And um, yeah, so essentially what, what's happening is the exchangeable hydrogen ions are being used up and converted to natural waste compounds. Um, and the accumulation of the calcium ions in the soil it will also, in effect, cause a modification in the thickness of the soil layer and will reduce the plasticity of the soil, which will improve soil workability, strength, and compressibility, and will reduce the swelling potential. Um, and in terms of timing, this will usually take a few days um, for calcium carbonate, but depending on what liming material you're using, like calcium aluminate, it may take longer. Um, usually that will take uh, seven days. Okay. Very, very thorough response to that question. I had never heard it stated that way, so I, th I actually understand it better than I did before. Thanks. And Emmy, how, um, there's these different liming sources, so what are the different methods of applying? I've, I've seen uh, big rock lime, and I've seen really fine powder. I assume they need to be applied differently. How, what are, how is lime generally applied? Yeah, so there's a few different ways, uh, and I have a few that I can talk about, which definitely doesn't cover all of them. But the first would be surface application, which is just uh, ideally an even coverage of the surface applying. And if you have finer particles in your lime, ideally the spread width is between 6 to 8 meters to get the fine particles to really um, equilibrate throughout the soil. Um, however, this is really slow to address subsurface acidity because you're only applying lime to the surface layer of soil. So that's something to take account of if you are considering surface application. Another uh, application is direct injection. This is kind of a newer current development. And it places lime during deep ripping. 
And so when it's done successfully, subsurface acidity, acidity is quickly removed. Um, and with proper distribution, there's yield responses of 20 to 30% in wheat, which is especially nice for places like the Palouse. Um, and it's especially good if compaction is a problem in your field, but there are also drawbacks of this. Um, you obviously are going to need to spend a lot of money if you need to modify any of your machinery. And it's also a very slow process of deep injection. And then there's also moldboard plowing, which happens when soil is being inverted. And so the lime is being mixed at a greater depth with greater mixture of the topsoil and the subsurfaces. Um, and this could still take some time for the lime to amend the now topsoil, which will create a barrier for root growth. Um, working the plow a little shallower at a higher speed may create this sort of angled limed topsoil layer from the, sur from the surface to the subsurface, which will provide a pathway for the roots to grow, which kind of alleviates that root barrier that you see with the mixing. And it's proven really successful in sand plain soils with more mild surface uh, acidity. So I would recommend using this with caution in higher acidic soils. There's also rotary spading, which is very effective for deep incorporation of lime um, up to depths of 30 to 35 centimeters. So if you are growing crops with you know deeper roots, that's a good option. Spades bury the topsoil while also lifting seams of subsoil to the surface. There isn't exactly an even spread throughout the profile. There is a good distribution of lime though. So through the cultivation depth with many areas of higher pH where the lime mixed into the subsoil, it really lets the lime cover all your bases. Um, and then this mixing improves contact of lime with acidic soil for rapid and effective neutralization. So higher rates of lime may be necessary as it's being mixed in a greater volume of soil. And this is more recommended for when you're incorporating lime to non-wetting soil because uh, this is typically the best and sometimes the only realistic option to recover extremely acidic soil profiles to a reasonable pH. Okay, so lots of different ways to get it on and incorporate it depending on the circumstances you're looking at, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Heidi, I've heard about people wanting to, asking questions about can, can they apply sulfur um, to alleviate pH problems. Is that a possibility? Yeah. So liming with sulfur, um, that is a common um, thing that people will do, but it's not to be confused with normal liming practices um, because it will actually make your soil more acidic. Um, since sulfur has acidic properties. Um, so um, depending on your application uh, in pounds per square feet um, and depending on your soil type, that will actually have a different effect. Um, so uh, gypsum doesn't actually uh, remediate soil pH um, because it doesn't contain that carbonate to neutralize the acidity. Um, and it will actually, uh, it, it tends to be used as a fungicide and not a treatment for pH. Um, so the properties of its, uh, as a fungicide, the properties of sulfur is that it's um, toxic to pathogens and can kill them through direct contact or uh, fumigation. Um, and um, essentially you add a, a solution of lime with um, additional antifungal flowers of sulfur boiled in water. And um, the sulfur will disrupt the transfer of electrons and cause a reduction of the sulfur uh, to hydrogen sulfide in, in soil. And uh, this is very toxic to uh, cellular proteins. Um, 
and it's also toxic to some plant species. And um, essentially, when you add lime to this sulfur compound, it will reduce the phototoxicity. Um, so that's why it's commonly called a, a liming substance, but it's, it's actually not solving your pH problem. So that's okay. important to note. Actually making it worse, it sounds like, if acidity is your problem. Okay. So, uh, I mean, how do you go about calculating a, a lime requirement for soil? Yeah, so soil laboratories first use P soil pH to determine if you have a problem with soil acidity. And so I will always recommend that you test your soil um, and recommended to use a soil laboratory that's familiar with the soil in your region. So if you're in eastern Washington, obviously there's a great one here in WC Pullman. And with proper calibration, these results, um, a buffer test can calculate lime requirement. And there's a great calculator for that on the WC Wheat and Small Grains website in the Soil Tools and Calculator section, where it uses things like tillage depth and target pH. Other soil properties like cation exchange capacity, base saturation, soil organic matter content, and exchangeable acidity can be used to measure lime requirement as well. The calculated requirement tells you the amount of base forming cations in the form of lime that is needed to displace the acid forming cations like hydrogen based on individual soils buffering capacity and provides lime requirements in pounds or tons per acre. Okay, so this, uh, that website, smallgrains.wsu.edu, is where you'd find those calculators. And it sounds like it's not an easy calculation to do on your own, so you, finding a calculator is probably a good idea yes, uh, yeah. for most people. So Heidi, how would, how would a grower choose their method of application? Right, so... Um, once you have calculated your lime requirements, there are some next steps to un understand how you fully uh, apply that lime. Um, so you have to consider the environmental factors that are also impacting soil pH. And a few of these are uh, soil layering, climate, and season. Um, so uh, when considering the effects of tillage, you have to consider whether you're using uh, reduced or inverged tillage methods. And um, this will actually um, change the depth and concentration of the acidity issue in your soil. Um, so that's why it's important. Um, and in reduced till systems, you will see um, more highly concentrated and acidic neural bands of stratification in the topsoil. Um, and then inversion uh, tillage will actually involve more uh, soil mixing um, of the layers and will increase depth of the acidified layer and decrease the concentrated acidity. Um, and uh, when you use inversion tillage, it will require more complex uh, methods of testing. Um, and that's because the mixing of soil layers will actually make the acidity problem less noticeable because that layer is thicker. Um, so uh, that's why tillage will affect your application method and will um, affect the uh, amount of lime that's required to raise that pH back up. Um, and then the next part of that is the climate. So um, base cations in the soil will actually be leached in certain climates with uh, heavier rainfall. And um, also greater temperatures will accelerate the time it takes for liming to actually show results. Um, if your soil is very dry, uh, the liming will not improve your soil pH uh, very fast, and uh, it won't be super uniform in your, so in your uh, soil layer. Um, and different soil types as well, such as uh, silt loam and sandy soils, these tend to experience decreased yield with crops. Um, so that's a factor to consider. 
Um, and the, acidif the acidification of soil can also um, happen in climates with higher organic acids and also organic debris um, and greater atmospheric acids. So these are all components that are important when you're um, considering how much lime to apply. Um, and then lastly, um, simply put, uh, seasonality is also a factor because uh, pH will typically increase during winter months and will decrease in the summer. Um, and so depending on when you apply the lime, which season, that will also be uh, an important factor to consider. Um, so overall, some recommendations for uh, those who are using liming practices. Um, the saturation of your soil prior to liming is actually recommended um, so that it can fully incorporate properly. Um, and the sooner you can saturate the soil, the better. Um, and when you change your liming practices, um, you should consider the assessment of your climate, the tillage practices, and the season of application. So these are all factors. Okay, and th those factors would also affect, I would assume, how and when you sample for pH so you know what you have. And then I guess the other factor that comes in that's uh, kind of a moving target is just the economics of it because um, we don't live near lime sources and so it's kind of expensive to get lime here. But those all, all those factors need to come together. So it sounds easy, your, your soil is becoming acidified, uh, but how you go about dealing with it varies. Uh, so people need to understand it. So. Uh, Sounds like you two learned a lot during your uh, summer internship in the REU program. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It was very good. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I, hopefully we can continue that program into the future years. Um, glad you had a good time. Glad you shared some of that information with us today. Thanks for being my guest today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.